0: Hello, this is Anviti from Newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Friday, the 29th of July. Taking cognizance of a defamation suit filed by Union Minister Smriti Irani against Congress leaders Jairam Ramesh, Pawan Khera and Netta D'Souza, the Delhi High Court today issued summons asking the leaders to take down quote-unquote slanderous material against the BGP leader and her 18-year-old daughter from all social media accounts. In her suit, Smriti had claimed, and I quote, The Congress leaders have conspired with each other to launch a tirade of false, scathing and belligerent personal attacks against her and her daughter, unquote. She said they wanted to malign, defame and injure her and her daughter's reputation, moral character and public image. Irani has sought damages worth rupees 2 crore in her suit. The case pertains to allegations that Irani's daughter was operating a cafe in Goa, the licence for which was obtained by using a dead man's Aadhaar card. Irani first stated that her daughter was a student and wasn't involved. However, many Congress leaders and other activists found documents that suggested the restaurant and the bar was owned by a parent company with the address related to Irani's husband. Accusing Zoish, Irani's daughter, of running a restaurant and bar in Goa quote-unquote illegally and the licence procured quote-unquote fraudulently in the name of a deceased person, the Congress had demanded the resignation of Smriti Irani. Calling it a quote-unquote malicious accusation, Irani hit back, saying that her daughter Zoish was the target only because, quote, her mother does press conferences against Sonia Gandhi and Rahul Gandhi, unquote. Following the suit and court order, Senior Congress Leader Jairam Ramesh said in a tweet, The Delhi High Court has issued notice asking us to formally reply to the case filed by Smriti Irani. we look forward to presenting the facts before the court. We will challenge and disprove the spin being put out by Ms Irani. After a man was stabbed to death in Karnataka's Dakshin Kannada district on Thursday night, Section 144 of the Criminal Procedure Court has been imposed in Suratkal, Panambur, Mulki and Bajpe police limits for two days till Saturday morning. Large gatherings have been banned and Mangaluru police commissioner, Sashi Kumar, also said that liquor shops in the area have been asked to close and nearly two dozen checkpoints have been set up, including along the Kerala border. He also urged the residents to not step outside their homes after 10pm, although no official curfew has been ordered. This is the third murder in the district in the last eight days. The latest victim, 23-year-old man, was hacked to death at a clothing store in Suratkal region. He was attacked by a group of four masked men and the murder was captured on CCTV cameras outside and inside the store, police said. The victim is Fazil, a local businessman. He was chatting with his friends outside the store when the attack happened. Though any official motive behind the attack has not been announced yet, it is suspected to be linked to the murder of a BJP youth worker that occurred in the Sulia region of the district on the evening of July 26, Indian Express reported. Yesterday, a gang of men who reached the spot in a white car allegedly chased Fazil with machetes on the street outside the textile store and later followed and cornered him when he ran inside the shop to take shelter against the attackers. He was hacked to death, even as store workers tried to throw things from a distance at the attackers to stop them, police said. The gang allegedly kept attacking Fazil even after he collapsed. Karnataka Chief Minister Basavraj Bombay had visited the Dakshin Kannada region to meet the family of the murdered BJP youth worker Praveen Netaru in Billare village. The issue has been raised by multiple BJP supporters on social media with demands of justice for Netaru. On Thursday, Dakshin Kannada police announced the arrest of two men in their late 20s, Zakir and Shafiq, who allegedly have links with the Popular Front of India and are connected to Netaru's murder. The police are also investigating if the latest murder is linked to the murder of 18-year-old Masood Bon on July 19 by persons reportedly linked to Hindutva groups. Listeners, speaking of politics, recently Smriti Irani offered a fiery speech in the parliament, demanding apology from Sonia Gandhi as one of her party members referred to President Draupadi Murmu as Rashtrapatne. She said the verbal attack was anti-woman and anti-tribal people. And news channels ran with this story in their 24-7 cycles multiple times. However, apart from the speeches in parliament, Is having a tribal woman as president going to impact how the media reports on tribal issues? Read Kalpana Sharma's opinion in our Broken News section, titled, Now that an Adivasi is president, will big media finally report on Adivasi issues on Newslaundry.com? She notes how Draupati Murmu's election should be more than a temporary news peg, given most readers and viewers know nothing of Adivasi struggles or culture. Read to find out more. If you find the piece interesting, or like the ground reports, podcasts, and video reports that we do, do consider subscribing to News Laundry. Remember, we are able to deliver such news because we don't take ads from governments or corporations. Our reports are completely independent, free from the pressures associated with advertising money. So if you would like to support our independent news model, Go to newslaundry.com and click on the red subscription button at the top right corner. Subscription plans start as low as Rs 300 a month. Pay to keep news free. The Supreme Court today asked the Madras High Court to adjudicate upon the pleas filed by O. Reselvam or OPS, and others against the July 11th General Council meeting of AIADMK, in which OPS was expelled from the party. The Apex Court has asked Madras High Court to do the same within three weeks. A bench headed by Chief Justice NV Ramana asked rival OPS and Edapadi Palinaswami factions of the AIA DMK to maintain status quo with regard to the affairs of the party, news agencies reported. Earlier this month, during a party meeting, AIA DMK passed a resolution to quash the dual membership structure at the General Council meeting in Managaram tamil nadu at the same meeting palani swami was elected as its interim general secretary at the same time the resolution had mandated that the person for the post is elected by the primary members of the party the elections for which will be held in around 4 months in total 16 resolutions were adopted at that meeting rival leader ops was expelled from the party's primary membership and his post of treasurer at the same meeting following this Panir Selvam filed a plea in the Supreme Court challenging his expulsion from the party during the General Council meeting. During an earlier hearing, the bench had said the issues of quote unquote friendship, power, etc. within a party or association should be worked out invariably on the platform of the party and the judiciary cannot be seen interfering in the inner functioning of a party. A day after two pilots were killed when an Indian Air Force MiG-21 jet crashed during a training sortie in Rajasthan's Barmer, the Indian Air Force has announced a set to retire one of its four remaining squadrons of ageing MiG-21 fighter jets in September, with the other three scheduled to be phased out over the next three years, Hindustan Times reported. ANI quoted Indian Air Force sources saying that the 51 squadron based out of Srinagar Air Base is being number-plated on 30th September. After this, only three squadrons of the planes would be left in service and would be phased out by the year 2025. The Soviet-era MiG-21s were first introduced in the Indian Air Force in the 1960s. However, the MiG-21s have reportedly been plagued by safety issues. Notably, the Indian Air Force have been replacing the MiG-21 fighter jets with more capable aircraft including the Su-30 and the Indigenous Light Combat Aircraft, or LCAs. At least six MiG-21s have been lost in crashes in which five pilots have lost their lives in the last couple of years. The MiG-21s were supposed to retire a long time back, but delays in the induction of the LCAs aircraft have pushed the Indian Air Force to continue flying these planes. Sri Lankan President Ranil Vikram Singh has initiated negotiations with the opposition parties to persuade them to join an all-party government led by him, news agencies reported. They called it a part of his efforts to establish trust in his administration and help the bankrupt country to recover from the worst economic crisis. Citing sources, local media reported that it would take a week for the talks to take place. On Thursday, Vikram Singh held talks with the Sri Lanka Freedom Party of former President Miyatri Pala Sirisena. The main opposition, Samagi Jana Balavegaya Party, however, will not join the government. Meanwhile, the National Freedom Front, led by MP Vimal Viravansa, pledged to support Vikram Singh. Viravansa said there are two options before the country today to lead it down the path of an anarchical situation, as in Haiti, or to salvage it from the current mess, at least at the last moment through consensus. He said President Vikram Singhe had taken genuine steps to resurrect the country from the present abyss. And therefore, his party was ready to guide that exercise, regardless of past political differences or enmity. Russia's Defence Ministry has accused Ukraine of killing 40 prisoners of war, Reuters reported. According to Russian officials, Ukraine struck a prison in the separatist-held territory, with US-supplied Himars rockets on Friday, killing 40 Ukrainian prisoners of war and leaving 75 wounded. The incident occurred in Russia-controlled Donetsk region. However, immediate battlefield reports have not been verified yet. The situation is still developing. Defence Ministry spokesperson Lieutenant-General Igor Konashenkov described the strike as a quote-unquote bloody provocation aimed at discouraging Ukrainian soldiers from surrendering. He said that eight prison guards were also wounded by the shelling, ABC reported. However, officials in Ukraine have not yet commented on these reports. Russian-backed separatist leader, Denis Pushilin, was quoted by Interfax as saying that the prison, located in the frontline town of Olenivka, housed 193 people, and that there were no foreigners among the detainees, the report stated. After the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the Russian forces took control over Mariupol following a months-long siege of the Azovstal steel plant. From there, many Ukrainian fighters, including some from the Azov battalion, were taken prisoner in Olenivka following their surrender. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on wherever you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent.